the second podcast episode of Herbert Hoover. I once again am interviewing Matt Schaefer, an archivist at the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library and Museum. I also talked to Andrea Lewis, a curator and technician at the museum, and another archivist, Lynn Smith. They helped answer some of my questions on some rare color footage found of Hoover, as well as talking about gowns of Lou Hoover and other presidential artifacts. I wanted to say this was recorded long before COVID-19, so we are all socially distancing, as far as I know. In fact, if you look at when I last uploaded a Hoover episode, it's been nearly a year. I wish I had a better excuse. I did have some problems with data retrieval, and editing four hours worth of recording was quite a task and not as fun as recording it. Again, not a valid reason in my book. However, I would like people to keep in mind none of this pays my bills, and it is done solely as a fun hobby of mine for the time being. So please enjoy. But he ends up serving, you know, kind of as doing a lot of things a Secretary of State would do mm-hmm. for Truman in 46, mm-hmm. when when he uh, Truman appoints Hoover to head the Famine Emergency Committee, where he's, he's basically charged, go around the world, figure out where the food crises are, what the situation is on the ground, and we will do what we can to use, you know, use food to forestall the expansion of the Soviet Empire. I mean, that's basically it. This, this is a Cold War... Uh, decision. So were they also using food as a way of uh, garnering like friendships at yes, that time? Yes, yes, yes. You know, it, you know, it, it, if you're hungry, I mean, if your nation is hungry, if you can't feed your populace, mm-hmm. you are, uh, you know, they're going to rebel mm-hmm. or you're going to fall prey to invasion. And they're, they're, so, you know, we, we need to have bulwarks in Eastern Europe uh, you know, in India, in Japan, uh, Egypt, you know, just basically to, as a counterweight against the Soviet Union. And uh, Hoover uh, does things he'd never done before. I mean, he'd done the food really thing before. You know, this, this is old hat time. He's, as he puts in his memoirs, you know, like the old country doctor called back in to see the sick patient. I knew what, he knew what to look for, what questions to ask, who to interview. And, uh, uh, but he he did his first transatlantic flight uh, for on this, and he did his first uh, trans-Pacific flight. I mean, he you know he he, he spent uh, the better part of six weeks just basically flying from capital to capital um, with a, with a group of men uh, mm-hmm. to to do the research, and uh, uh, the, the people with him were getting worn out. Yeah, uh, they were just like, oh, he's killing me. This old man is killing me. And and Hooper was, you know, um, according to one of his uh, one of his colleagues, he's the only guy younger at the end of the trip than the rest of us. The rest of us aged five years. Mm-hmm. He he came out of it five years younger. Yeah, because he finally, you know, he's he's back in the saddle. He's back. He likes doing it. Yeah. You know, he's he he's he's got a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's seventy one years old. He's not. You know, he's not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> So did Harry and Hoover both like, I mean, they both left office pretty unpopular at mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. So did the, the two kind of bond over that? Did they kind of understand each other? They were both, both Midwesterners. They're both Midwesterners. Um, they, uh, 
I'll do another thing that radio podcasters love. I'll get a book and show you. <laughs> it's, it's basically Hoover and Truman and Uncommon Friendship. And they're, they're both Midwesterners. They, they both start, you know, I mean, they, they both... Small town. Small town. Um, they both, uh, you know, when... Uh, for, until, from 1953 until 1961, they were the only living ex-presidents. Mm. They, they were a member of a really small, really select club. Yeah. And so when, when Truman had questions, like, what am I going to do with all my personal papers? Mm-hmm. He would ask Hoover. And, who, and Hoover said, you know, Franklin Roosevelt created this presidential library. If you've got friends in Congress, maybe they, you can work together. You do your own yeah, Have a presidential library. library. Uh, you know, they, they would have questions about, uh, you know, su- such and such corporate, you know, a commercial ent- entity wants me to do, be, uh, you know, on their board as a spokesman. Or you know, and and they both agreed. No, that's that. You know, that's that's tacky. That's tar- mm-hmm. that would tarnish the office of the presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, keep all of that at arm's length. If you want, if you want to be involved with something, be involved with the Boy Scouts or the Boys Clubs. Or you know, I mean, there's plenty of enterprises out there where you can lend your you name can, to it, you can, and but you can distance yourself and, and 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 not be tarnished with oh, what a money grubbing. You know, or if, yeah, if something happens, you can yeah mm-hmm. back away. Right. And so, you know, they, they, they had this, the, uh, a friendship that uh, lasted until Hoover died. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Truman opened his library in, in uh, Independence, Missouri, Hoover went over. When they did the cornerstone laying here, Truman came over. There's some great, great stories. Oh, tell them. Tell them. Um, they, uh, you know, they're, they're both on the platform. They're going to be on the platform. They're going to give a speech. But... You know, two two presidents in West Branch, Iowa. Two presidents in Iowa. We're going to take advantage of that. We're going to have every waking moment scheduled with somebody, meeting somebody, doing something. You know, and they both had to pee. <laughs> they're like, there's not, there's not, there's not a minute in the day mm-hmm. for us to go to the bathroom. Right. So they uh, they went to the caretaker's cottage uh-huh. for a necessary break. I, I I have more than one presidential relief story. <laughs> um, Fun. <laughs> <laughs> when Hoover and Wilson were in Belgium uh-huh. uh, after World War One, you know, yeah. hammering out the Paris Peace Conference, same story. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. Every every waking moment is is scheduled, and uh, they're in a car together. And and uh-huh. Wilson says to the driver. We gotta stop. Mm-hmm. And he and Hoover, you know, ducked behind a hedgerow. And Wilson said to him, and, and again, this is this is this is probably uh, more myth than truth, but I love it as a story. Uh, now I know what you mean by relief in Belgium. But yeah, they, they ended up very very good friends. Um, mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, we're about the boxes here. We have uh, about eight folders of Hoover Truman correspondence in oh, one of these boxes. So how many and, books are there on like their friendship? Uh, or two or three. Two or three. You know, because mostly what happens when you do a presidential biography, you get in a silo. You know, I, I mean, even with McCullough, you know, with nine hundred pages, he's very thorough. You know, but 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 every page is Truman, mm-hmm. and you know, 
when he's on stage, everybody else is like a secondary character. The Hoover biographers, when they talk about Truman, Truman's a footnote. Yeah. He's just also played the game kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the way... Yeah, this is how it works. Yeah. So now, after the 30s, Hoover also helped serve kids' uh, school lunches. Well, uh, that actually uh, goes back to the 20s for the American Child okay. Health Association. Because uh, Hoover was an information hawk. He just took in information like you wouldn't believe. And when he was doing food relief in Belgium, uh, he, he knew scientists... Um, it's Stanford who were doing research on, the, on, on calories and, and scientists in England who were doing research on, on, on uh, use of calories. And scientists on the East Coast were talking about these things called, uh, um, uh, what was it, water absorbent vitamins. They end up being called vitamins, but, but you know, v- v- vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin mm-hmm. D, they're all, that, that science, right that science is being hammered out and seeing the importance of trace elements and vitamins. And, and so he's taking all of that in. And when he's the head of the American Child Health Association, he sees this as a great opportunity to change how people eat, especially how they feed their kids. Because if you, you, know, if you can get your kids fed right, uh, you, know, what, you know, well begun is the key to a healthy, do a, a healthy long life. So um, you know they, they do a lot of research on on child nutrition and how to distribute food necessary to kids, and that becomes the basis for the for the school lunch program that that grows. And, and there's a thread. I mean, it, it goes. It kind of skips the depression, strangely enough, because that was yeah out of bounds. Uh, but it picks up with the uh, the uh, the United Nations and, and child, uh, United Nations uh, Children's fund and feeds kids in Europe after the war and, you know, ends up in school lunch programs uh, to this day. Uh, I mean, a lot of the basic nutrition. I'm looking at your cookie thinking that's probably not, uh, it's got a lot of vitamin D in it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Vitamin D. Sure. Yeah. It's chock full of vitamin, vitamins, you know. (laughs) Uh, Do you think, um, do you think Hoover would have been portrayed differently if he had stayed in either like the commerce or the food department? Uh, or would if he'd never been president? Yeah. That is a really good question. Because uh, he. I was, boy oh boy that's a that, that's a good question because. I mean, up until that time, he was just known as like the great humanitarian. Yeah, and and he has succeeded at everything. Um, Here's where you can say, Matt's just scratching his chin because he's puzzled. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was I, I, nominated I, I, uh, for five Nobel Prizes, wasn't he? Uh, you're surprised I knew that. <laughs> I am. Uh, you're the first person that's ever interviewed me that, that that's mentioned has mentioned that. that. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Nominated. I found that surprising. That's why. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just trying to think, you know, would he have... There, there are people... Like, uh, yeah, he would have been known. And his, his, his legacy would have been different. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, would, they wouldn't have had the presidency to hang around his neck like a giant, like a giant rock, like a millstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he would have been known um, because of all the other stuff he did. Right. Yeah. And, so. and, he, and he wasn't nominated for any... Well, he was actually... One of his Nobel nominations was tied to his presidency. Oh, what was that one? That was... Uh, he was the guy who... Uh, 
when the, 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 there was a pact signed in summer of 29 of the Kellogg-Briand pact outlawing war as an instrument of national policy. Oh, so that really didn't go very well. Yeah. But but in that fall he was but nominated. Peace Prize was like Yeah. But but yeah, he was yeah, he was nominated uh, for food relief in World War 1. Mm -hmm. For uh, for that uh, for for food relief in uh, after World War 1 in, in Russia for the um, uh, the, the Kellogg-Briand Pact uh, nominated for his uh, food relief efforts after World War II, and then in 64, uh, uh, what, uh, give him sort of the life, they nominated him for like kind of a lifetime achievement award, mm, uh, both okay. uh, a bipartisan effort led by right. but he didn't US win Congress. Any of them. He didn't win any of them. Um, Who won it in uh, the year that the German relief aid? Uh, it was one by Cordell Hall. What did he do? He was a Secretary of State for the United States. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was, I mean, the, the Nobel Prize. He would have. He he would have won easily in '64, mm -hmm. but he died before they before. And they don't. They don't. They, at that time, didn't they give. They want it, you to speak. Well, they didn't give it posthumously, and and they oh. didn't have the Ouija board to have him speak. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, that th that would have been, I think, a you know. Mm -hmm. A fitting capstone, but but he, he didn't care about that sort of stuff. I yeah. mean, he you know he he was all about getting getting it done. He mm -hmm. didn't he didn't care for awards, awards or prizes. I mean, mm -hmm. just like you know, yeah. eh, put it in oh. a box, put it away. It is pretty nice, so yeah. Um, Can I ask how you knew they had that he was nominated five times? I mean, that that that's. I know, I, I, I know it because I work here. Uh, I may have read it here somewhere when I was okay. going through the museum. Okay, know. okay. Anyhow, I'm impressed. I don't know where I read it, but yeah. Yay me! <laughs> Polite historian applause. It's only a little bit quieter than golf applause. Um, so, historians are, you know, further out now. Um, how are they viewing him now looking back versus when you know just a couple of years out uh, that's that's a really good question um, historians are um, for somebody like Hoover who had a long public life and a very complicated you know I, I call him a conundrum I mean it's kind of a puzzle a mystery there uh, but had a very complicated public life where he presented many different facets to people I think that historians see themselves in Hoover um, and and you know, the Quakers see the pacifist. You know, the, the we have I don't know maybe twenty five biographies on the shelf. And if you just looked at the titles, you know, in Hoover, imperfect visionary. Hoover, the uncommon man. Um, uh, Hoover, the keeper of the flame. Talking about you know, the the guy who kept who tried to keep uh, the old school uh, mm. minimal yeah. minimally uh, intrusive state of America. Uh, uh, the fighting Quaker, uh, you know, that I look at Hoover and I see an information omnivore, a guy who really tries to get as much information in his head as possible and then, then tries to make a decision. But that's because that's how I'm wired. Right. Uh, you know, the Quakers see the Quaker. Uh -huh. um, how do historians see him? Folks who are on the left right. see him as the failed president, the engineer who destroyed, you know, the American but, economy. But, I mean, he did serve under, like, both 
right. Republican and, and Democratic yeah, exactly, administrations. Exactly. But you know, it's it, it's it's how it's it's so how you it's how you frame. I, your, I your, think your, that's your, why your everybody sees him. It's certainly because he was rich. He was poor. He. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, self-made. He, Self-made millionaire. Uh, uh, travel the world. Travel the world. He, he, yeah. Humanitarian. Right. Yeah. You, you, so depending, you know, we have six thousand boxes. Mm-hmm. Depending on which boxes you focus on, you can find the Hoover you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, for me, the, the the last biography written uh, was by a guy named Ken White, a Canadian. And I think it helps to have a little bit of perspective, a little bit of social distance, because yeah. I grew up in America, and you know, Hoover right. was that <laughs> a president who destroyed, you know, right? The, that's what we're talking. You know, that, 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 school, that, yeah. that that's you know, and and very elementary, you know, you know it's, it's, black it's, and white. It's it's reduced to a, a thumbnail sketch, a paragraph. Historic and history is never that simple. No, no, history is very complicated, very messy, noisy. Mm-hmm. To use a radio term, you know, and people, people, people take out of that noise yeah. the signal they want to hear, uh-huh. or the signal they think they, you know, the, 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 and everybody sees a, you know, the other metaphor I use is, uh, have you heard the story about the six blind uh, beggars and the elephant? Yes. You know, that's Hoover in a nutshell. He's a tree. He's a no. He's mm-hmm. he's a rope. No, he's yeah. a snake. How much is you say he like? to gather information so how much did he read like, did he read books or was oh how much did he he's read? on the move too much to read he he read uh very very quickly mm-hmm. and widely um um you asked what would mrs hoover do in the white house part of what she did was she kind of managed the flow of books from the library of congress into the white house executive office so we have her little card catalog of the books they borrowed and how long they kept them. How does that work with, like, the Library of Congress? Can you just check out books like you, like, can come here? If you're the president, you can. Well, I'm pretty sure we can't. If you're the president, I'm I'm pretty sure the rules are different for us. So, like, if you're the president, you're allowed to, like, kind of take whatever resources is considered relevant. It's relevant, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and he would go through dozens of books a month. Dozens Mm -hmm. of, like, policy-centered books a month. Okay, policy-centered. And then uh, he would have uh, murder mysteries and okay. cowboy stories and and mm-hmm. travel stories and and uh, you know uh, the modern classics like Dickens and Thackeray and and modern classics. It's yes. so fun to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he read yeah. voraciously and he remembered stuff. I mean, uh-huh. that that was the thing that would uh, would astonish uh, the, the people that would meet with him. Interesting. Just you know, he would. Get presented a lot of data, like on the on the flood, mm-hmm. and you know he's getting it county by county, mm. and he would rem- he would remember oh you know this this county over here mm-hmm. in in Mississippi needs more resources than this county in Arkansas because of X Y and Z, and he would just walk like walk mm-hmm. and it'd be like yeah I have the paper in front of me I just read it uh-huh. how does he know this right my, my responsibility is really you know just this sector. He's got all of this and more. Right. And somehow he's got all this information right at hand, mm-hmm. and he he was eerie in that way. I you know, I describe my brain as like a big shallow plate. I can remember a lot of things for a little while. Mm-hmm. He had like a that soup tureen oh, yeah. uh, where where he could dip in mm-hmm. and 
you know, just the stuff he remembered. It's like my colleague Spencer. Too bad you didn't interview Spencer. He remembers stuff. My theory is that most presidents were very voracious readers. Yeah, I, I don't think you can be a president without having some appetite mm -hmm. for information. Mm -hmm. be, be, because that drives decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, say what you will about gut instinct politics, that gut instinct is... is Usually. It's, it's premised on some knowledge base, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not just... Yeah, it's coming somewhere. Yeah. It's not random, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, you know, yeah, presidents have to read. Yeah, I, I love it, how much Teddy Roosevelt read. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson. Uh, mm -hmm. I was Thomas Jefferson. I mean, you know, we're, we're oh, talking yeah. uh, talking about guys who just now Hoover was a little bit different than those guys because those guys collected libraries and kept them. Mm -hmm. Hoover collected libraries. And then he didn't blow them up, but he gave them away. Yeah. Um, when he and his wife wrote uh, or, or did the translation of De Re Metallica, uh, which was uh, an encyclopedia on oh. everything known about mining in 1564. Gotcha. Okay. They, they were in London. They had access to bookstores. And they had free time. Mm -hmm. their, their, their kids were being tended by nannies. And so they spent their evenings translating this this book, which was... Wow. Largely regarded as untranslatable because it was written by uh, by a German uh, scholar, but he was writing in Latin. So he's and so German is one of those languages that seems to change every century, and Latin is a language that doesn't adapt well to new, to, to new technologies. So he's trying to write about these new technologies and okay, new in fifteen sixty four. Anyhow, people have tried to crack this nut for hundreds of years. And people gave up. Untranslatable. Can't be done. And Mr. and Mrs. Hoover did it in three years. Huh. Uh, I, I've got a copy I'll show it to you. You're here. I, I'm going to show you books. I'm going to show you stuff. Yeah. Translated in 1912. And for this work, they were each given the Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Mining Metallurgical Society. Wow. They're 38. Their lifetime had a lot, a lot further to go. Uh, but they... Uh, you know, I haven't got a Lifetime Achievement Award yet. <laughs> she wins this award. She's the first woman to win it ever. And the last woman to win it for like 90 years. Wow. Just for kind of like more fun questions. Uh, how did Hoover develop a love of baseball? Uh, Hoover grew up, I mean, in, in America, if you're a boy, in the 19th century, baseball was your game. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just any flat, like today, if any flat surface, you put up a basketball hoop, back in the day, any flat surface, you put up a baseball diamond. I mean, you made a baseball diamond out of a cow pasture, uh, you know, and he just grew up playing the game, tried out for the team in Stanford, realized, you know, I'm lacking two things, <laughs> skill, I can't, well, two things I can't throw and I can't hit. But aside from that, perfect baseball player. Uh, but he, uh, he, he loved the game, and uh, he uh, went to as many games as possible mm -hmm. as president, which was kind of ticklish. I mean, he, he threw out the first ball, you know, long tradition of throwing out the first ball. He had the temerity to go to a, uh, a World Series game mm -hmm. in 1930 in the midst of the Depression. Mm -hmm. Shitstorm. 
Why are you wasting your time watching a baseball game? Last World Series game he saw until until uh, 1950s. Uh, you know, some things never change. Yeah. Okay. If you if you're gonna unwind as president, you might want to do it out of out of sight. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, uh, he is to uh, uh, you know. Uh, there's all kinds of baseball stories. This happened to stamp me in a sweet spot. Um, he was uh, the, the, the he wrote to uh, John McGraw, the longtime manager of the uh, of the New York baseball giants, congratulating congratulating him on 30 years as a manager. And McGraw wrote back saying, "Gosh, that's well. Thanks for remembering me. I, I know you got a lot to do, and I'm I'm glad you thought of me here." Come on in. I'm telling baseball stories. Oh, well, I don't know anything about that. That's all right. That's all right. Um, we, had a, we had an exhibit a couple of years ago. Were you here for the uh, the baseball exhibit? No. Oh, okay. Uh, anyhow, uh, he... Uh, where do I start? Uh, baseball in the 50s, he was friends with Walter O'Malley and the owner of the Yankees, so they would invite him to games. Uh, and the Yankees and the Dodgers made it to, to many World Series. Andrea Lewis just walked in, so that's 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 why a hush fell over the room. <laughs> um, he had a quote of his inscribed, uh, like put up on the outfield wall across the park, uh, talking about baseball next to religion is the greatest uh, uh, elevator of, of American morals. Uh, he went to a Yankees old-timer game when he was 86, the first Yankees old-timer game, mm -hmm. and threw out the first pitch. Um, when he was 88, the the Mets, in their inaugural season, sent him a season pass. Oh. Good for all 81 games, or 81, however many games they were playing in 1962. <laughs> and he wrote back saying that doctors tell me I'm not allowed to go watch baseball, although what do doctors know? <laughs> So I had some a question about like uh, the gowns. How do you guys loan out gowns? For loans that we do for things that are leaving, it has to be in such a condition that it's able to go. So a lot of her loose dresses are... We have quite a few that are in good shape and we actually do loan them out to Walt Disney World for their Hall of Presidents. Mm. So um, we have, and they rotate out every few mm -hmm. months. Um, so we have one that's just now going, and I mm -hmm. think her um, Girl Scout uniform is actually coming back. Nice. Um, so we do loan out some of them based on their condition. We do have some that, we have one that's actually getting conservation work right now that is a fully beaded 1920s style how do you conserve, like, a dress like <laughs> We that? send it off. No, um, <laughs> really, a lot of it is there are people who do specialize uh -huh. in those sorts of things and being mm -hmm. able to kind of stabilize some of the fabric that's starting to disintegrate. Mm -hmm. um, silk is probably the worst, silk and satin. Do you ever do, like, colors fading? Like, do you ever try to, like, enhance it or nope. just kind of, like, let it fit? Just let it be. Uh-huh. Um, we do try to prevent things from going 
into like direct sunlight or any mm -hmm. sort of direct light. All of the lights that we have in our exhibit are all LED lights. Mm -hmm. So they don't produce heat, they don't produce UV lights, they don't and that's to help kind of with some of those things, not only with the dresses, but the rest of our collection. Interesting. Mm -hmm. LED lights the way to go to not yeah. let the dresses <laughs> fade. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, so how do you, like, even get, like, dresses? Do you get, like... Um, were they kind of just given to you? They The ones we have in our collection were given to us by... I want to say her daughter-in-law or granddaughter-in-law. Um, so, you know, she wore them and then passed them on down the family and then family wore them. So some of them have been altered to fit other people. Mm -hmm. And so, but they're all originally hers, which is what the, the main significance of them are. Mm -hmm. um, but most of them have all been given to us by the family. Nice. Yeah. I don't really have many other questions. <laughs> um, how do you, like, I mean, uh, what does your job really entail? And that's, <laughs> I know that's a big question. That is a big question. Um, so I'm a museum technician. Basically, my job is to help out where I'm needed. Mm -hmm. um, and it, the museum technician position very much differs from place to place. Some places, all you're going to do is work on cataloging and putting objects into the database system. Um, my job here, because we are a more established institute, um, my job basically is to, I go through all of the records, I've had to um, see what kind of legal information we have in terms of deeds and gifts, uh, wills, letters of acknowledgement, those sorts of things for all of the items that we have and attach them from our paper records to our database, Digi yeah, digital yeah. records. Yeah. And then also I help with exhibit setups and takedown and a um, little bit of design here and there, not too much, and then all of the rotations. So, so what are some of the exhibits that you have set up? Oh, let's see here. The first one I did was a traveling exhibit and it was Route 66. That was two years ago. And then um, I think probably the biggest one I've done was the President's, uh, C-SPAN President's Exhibit. Oh, yeah. Um, what, what was yeah. that again? Like, I, so, I kind of remember that. Oh, yeah, okay. so C-SPAN has panels mm -hmm. that travel, and they're all, they have the hist history and information of all the presidents mm -hmm. from number one to current. Mm -hmm. And so we got those come in, but then to kind of make it a little bit more interesting, um, we reached out to presidential institutions, whether they be presidential libraries, historic sites, whatever, and we had um, objects from every president come in. Um, so that was really cool. It was very cool. I can say I have I... touched something from every single president. <laughs> Yay! Um, but, but, you know, but, a range of stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, we had Garfield smoking jacket. Yeah. Teddy wow. Roosevelt saddle, um, oh, yeah, so cool. <laughs> it was way cool. Um, we had like artwork that Eisenhower had done, right? A painting. We had baseball cards from Bush forty one, Bush forty three when he was a kid. Yeah, oh. and then we had uh, Bush forty one was the, um, the cowboy, cowboy boots, boots with golf, golf cleats. 
Interesting. Way cool. Yeah. They had the seal of the president on, on, uh-huh. on all. And they were like white leather? Tan, no. White, light tan? They were black. Wow. Okay. My memory. That's why, uh, that's Clinton's, why I, Clinton's running shoes were white, were white with the presidential yeah. seal. That's, a, that's what it was. But it, that, was, that was a lot yeah. of fun as an exhibit. Uh-huh. I mean, there's just was, all kinds oh, yeah. of cool stuff here. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a chess set that was given to Obama during his presidency. Interesting. Um, I don't remember who gave it to him. I should, but... I it, was, it was somewhere in the Middle East. I mm-hmm. mean, it was like... Kuwait yeah. or Yemen or something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah I don't remember. Um, and then we had. Uh, well, we have books in our collection from George Washington. Um, mm-hmm. So those were out, and they're actually coming back out for the new exhibit. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, but I mean, so we had little bits and pieces of things, and we had a pipe from Jackson. Um, we had a pen and you know inkwell and. Um, didn't you have Harding's golf clubs mm-hmm. and a picnic basket? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did John Adams have? Adams, um, both of the Adams had. Well, no, one Adams was uh, cufflinks with his mother's hair. I have the um, the borrow list. It was in oh. Tom's files. So I'll go get it. Oh yeah, that's yeah. so much fun. I mean, that was two years ago. Right, I'm doing years. really well. Yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, it was really, it was really fun. Um, and then we've done a couple of Christmas exhibits um, where we don't necessarily work with collections. We just put up 18 to 20 trees and decorate them in a various theme. Nice. Um, so one year was under the sea. <laughs> And then last year was um, tra- traditions, holiday traditions. Cool. Um, yeah. So did you like string popcorn? <laughs> no. No, not, not that no. holiday tradition. We, we have fake popcorn in oh, cranberries. Oh, gotcha. Fake popcorn. Fake popcorn. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then um, Melanie is our exhibits designer, so she does all of the kind of picking out the exhibits and those sorts of things. Just hit myself in with a pencil. Okay. Oh, well. Um, wow, I'm really interested in like all the, what all the presidents had. Like, uh... Yeah, um... Okay, because I'm an Indiana girl, uh, Harrison. Um... I think there's two. There's two. Yeah. There was a, there was, yes, and then his grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Benjamin Harrison's top hat. Oh wow! I would love to see that. That would have been a yeah. sight. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what we had for the other Harrison. Oh, the other Adams was a seal, with his mother's crest on it. Abigail Adams. Yeah, wow. I think was. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I'm trying to remember which Adams was which, but. Mm-hmm. Um. Huh. I can kind of see it how it was laid out. <laughs> I'm just getting everybody get, in here. <laughs> this is Lynn Smith, the AV archivist, and I mentioned uh, what I don't know about the uh, color film. Lynn does, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what was our question. You said, didn't they come to light uh, the, the 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 color movies from the White House? What do you know about that? Uh, and I just made up some dribble. But okay. so they, ha- they happened. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know, I guess I didn't know how many of those, like, uh, projectors existed that 
would even be able to show I saw that. there are a few. They pop up on the internet once in a while. I saw one in the uh, Philbrook Museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2012. Wow. Okay. Little did I know at the time that I had oh, film in my collection that would play on that projector. Oh, well. But I don't know even if we could find one, yeah. if they would let us use it to project film, and I'd be very hesitant to just run my film through that projector lest right. it become shredded plastic. Right, so you have to be there very careful mm -hmm. about the process and like get someone that knows like, about how that was used. How, right. um, how many cameras were able to record? Well, Those, it, that, well, the trick the wasn't so much the camera, it was the film. Okay. And then what you put on the camera was a, a tricolored filter oh. that you could take off your camera and put it on the projector. Oh. Or put it on, there's, you know, as long as it fit the camera. Interesting. And Lou had several different uh, box cameras, just to look like a box. Yeah. Film cameras that you'd crank, and after a certain amount of time, it would go on its own. Wow. So, um... There, how long was that film? That sh Some of the films are just a minute or two long. Okay. Others are uh, about 400 feet, which would be seven or eight minutes. And you guys uh, are, think there's potentially more? Mm -hmm. in yeah, Isaac? we have some in our cold storage facility uh -huh. in Lenexa, Kansas. So it's just a matter of figuring out which reels they are, what can of film they are, because I don't want the people in the next is like, oh, I'll come down next month, right. pull out 500 cans of film when I'm only looking for six. Mm -hmm. So I want to try to be as pinpoint accurate as I can for my request. So do they don't have, have as much to do and I won't have as much to look through. Do you have any idea of like what you're kind of expecting from like those films like more like, of the same family movies uh, there are some of the around the white house around camp rapidan mm -hmm. and that one of my favorite films is actually i think looking at it it's it acts like there's two different films that have been fused together at least our copy of who mr and mrs hoover and the grandkids and uh herbert jr's wife margaret and they're just out playing with the dogs, playing in the gardens, just having a spring jolly time. And I've always fantasized, because we show it a lot for things, wouldn't that be cool if it was in color? And I think it is. Nice. I think it's one, of, you know, the film I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be really cool. That's yeah. one that's out in the permanent gallery, isn't it? Mm-hmm, some of it. of it, yeah. Clips nice. of it. So, that would be the kind of thing, though, yeah, that would be slick if it were in color. Yeah. I think that made like national news. It, it made international yeah. news. I found wow. stories picked up in Finland, in uh, New Zealand, mm -hmm. and uh, all sorts of places. That's England. about as far north and south as you can get. Right. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, I wouldn't have guessed. But, yeah. yeah. I think it's just, you know, is that like the earliest color mm -hmm. film that we know yeah, of? Yeah, there wouldn't be. The Coda Color came out in 1928 uh -huh. and faded out in 34, 35. So just in that little window. And that would have been looking at the time, calendar time. I did some research. When did they actually like first start selling it? It was about the last 
month or two of Coolidge's administration in late 28. Okay. And unless like, he ran out and bought it and used it right away. Was it like, ex- was it expensive? So could people just, uh, like, what kind of, how many people were out, like, buying that? I've seen other footage of Coda Calder film that's been digitized and put mm-hmm. on the internet. So it oh. was out there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it was not, it was cheap, it wasn't as cheap as black and white film, but I could, I didn't do a cost comparison to find out, okay, how much mm-hmm. did this reel of film cost if it was black and white, mm-hmm. how much was it, like $3 versus a dollar and a half, or a 20 cents versus $2, or, you know, I don't know, I didn't look into the pricing, but it'd be a fun little project to yeah. fiddle around with and, you know, find, because the, the books, the, the boxes we have don't have a price, mm-hmm. but what they did, they would shoot it up and then the box became a mailer and they would mail it to a Kodak lab whether it was mm-hmm. in California or New York City yeah or Rochester not New York City okay. Rochester New York because the box we have has a return address and stamps so it was just you know two or three cents to mail it to Kodak uh-huh. and they would take the film they would develop it and then send it back interesting so uh, why were movie studios using it was then. kind of a cumbersome process to okay and the, the the technologies were 16 millimeter film right and by then color the film movie camera people were movie producers were using 35 millimeter mm. so that would be too small a gauge yeah. so i don't know what projectors and what yeah. what use you know what they were they what were they doing with 35 millimeter at the time not, i wonder if they were talking with Kodak about that though because Kodak, Kodak's very influential mm-hmm. still in yeah. um, making movies mm-hmm. um, interesting that's cool so wow maybe I, if it was shorter maybe they could have made um, those little short like little newsreel type things yeah type yeah. bits that they did but even by 35 when they had Kodak color film mm-hmm. that was probably more marketed and they were Kodak may have been focusing on let's see what the technology what we can do small and then maybe the goal was to say make something similar in 35 millimeter I don't really know yeah interesting it might have been a parallel project or let's just make something for home use and you know let the home techie people have have their fun and mm-hmm. wow okay there's a whole lot of film 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 history that I don't really know. <laughs> I know what I know and I know what I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So is that um what what's your main focus like on when in your job do you my, focus on like the films? Or? I work with films, photographs and audio recording. Some wow. days some days it's more with films and others mm-hmm. you know, like you know Photograph preservation, not so much because they're they're stable. But if people request films or photographs for a book project or internet, you know, kids are doing project for school. We if they're not already scanned, we can scan them for them. And wow, sometimes they'll end up on you know documentaries, TV shows, the local news. Cool. Wow. So every day is a little different. <laughs> yeah, the audio recordings like uh, Hoover didn't really like to do a lot of radio so like what kind of audio the audio recordings we have for Hoover primarily are in his presidency for campaign speeches we have a, okay. a lot from 1932 31 32 
and it would be one of those he's in a big arena he's at madison square garden he's mm -hmm. at the civic auditorium in des moines iowa wow. or some other big place doing a big long campaign speech and by long i'm talking um, hour hour and a half mm -hmm. and he wasn't exactly the most lively his tonality was sort of flat. Which wasn't as important then, I feel right. like. Right, I think yeah. they were listening more for substance. What's right. coming out of his mouth rather than how dramatic how and how exciting. Charismatic right. personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think I've even heard, like, uh, Roosevelt speak, and I was like, that does not sound like a man that is president at all. Yeah. But, but... And I don't think today if any of the people running for president went on for an hour and a half how long they'd want to listen to that because people have a shorter no we're shaking no. heads <laughs> people have a much shorter oh, attention no. span give me no. hit it to me in 20 minutes or less i got things to do well and they kind of ramble and grandstands now so yeah. like if it was actually maybe of like stuff that like actually pertains substance to me, yeah mm-hmm yeah, but now it's just like, look at how great I am. I want to get reelected. Or look how great of if you elect me, I'll do X, Y, Z and make you happy. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> right, and like not specifics on like plans and mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Cool. I'll have to come. Told him I'd have to come here on my weekends, which are Monday and Tuesday, and like. Check Just explore out. everything. Right. Become a self-imposed archivist. Mm -hmm. Always fun. <laughs> and they, all of the uh, films, the the seven code of color films that we had preserved are on our YouTube, our YouTube. channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Some of them are not in good condition, so I can't fault the lab for oh this is washed out you can't see what's going on because as I was looking at it I was like what is this I can't tell what the images are as right. I was doing a, a hand inspection yeah so I, I was like well Your this is what it is yeah. this is what it uh -huh. is I can't yeah. go back in time and change how yeah. it was stored or where it came from or any of that so well that's really cool but I think the the other ones that are in our cold storage facility from what I've seen of copies of them, they're in better condition. Oh, so we might have nice. richer color, yeah, better imaging, not so washed out. And it could be a couple of them that are really washed out were shot in California, maybe Arizona or New Mexico, because you can tell by the background mm -hmm. and what's go a little bit of what's going on. It's probably a bright sunny day, and they might not have had good washed filtering out, yeah. washed out. Uh -huh. It's just too bright, too much light coming through the camera, so it might have been a fault the minute it was shot. Yeah. And that's why it's washed out. And I There's not little nice little viewfinders, you mean? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Is there... Light monitors. Right. <laughs> right. None of those f-stops and what do we worry about, aperture sizes uh -huh. and things. Yeah. Wow. So, cool. There you go. Come check out our films. <laughs> Back to Matt. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, you could you, you could camp out here for a while. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really want to see what's in uh, what was in this dis this exhibit. <laughs> Not much, actually. Well, well, cool things. So for George Washington, we had um, signed books that have his book plate and his signature in them. 
And John Adams. John Adams, we had, this was his family crest. Okay, which family was crest. seal. And for Thomas Jefferson, we had his pen and inkwell. And James Madison was a worship document that he had written for, I think, 19, yeah, 1812. Um, James Monroe was a snuff box that was only about, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, only two, like, two, three inches big and about an inch wide. It was tiny. Um, Quincy Adams, we had the cufflinks with the parent, his parents' hair in them. Oh. Andrew Jackson was Kinda his nice. pipe. pipe. Yep. Martin Van Buren was a cane. Oh, yeah, there were a couple of canes. There were a couple of canes, yeah. yeah. Um, Van Buren's cane was unique in that it was given to him by Andrew Jackson. So it actually had Andrew Jackson's name in it somehow. I don't remember. Oh. But it was like carved, like good huh. luck or whatever, and then. <laughs> Better you than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll need this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then William Harrison was his inaugural cane. Um, John Tyler was a card table. It was beautiful oh, so card cool. table. Yeah. Um, and Polk was another seal. Yeah. And let's see here. Taylor uh, was a war a letter on one of the elections that, or that he must have written. Um, Fillmore was a letter that he had written. I used to have the copy of it at my desk, but I've since taken it home. Um, <laughs> something it was uh, he had written it to somebody in terms of the war he was fighting or he was off at war and was writing back for supplies or something. I don't remember. Um, Franklin Pierce was a letter to Lincoln, which was kind of interesting. In, um, that is interesting. Mm -hmm. What Jane, did it say? I don't remember. I, some of them were hard to read. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cursive. Old, old writing. Um, James Buchanan's pipe. Um, Abraham Lincoln, we had his portfolio and right. the seal. Mm. Uh, Andrew Johnson was his tailor stuff. So before he became president, he was a tailor. Oh. And so he had his scissors and a thimble and... Interesting. Yeah. Oh. Um, Truman was a haberdasher, so... Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we have grants. Um, we had some letters and some books from Grant. Mm -hmm. One of the letters had his signature cut out of it. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Um, we had boots for Hayes. Garfield, we had his dressing gown, smoking jacket, whatever. Bathrobe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Arthur was another letter. Uh, Cleveland was bobbers. For fishing? Mm hmm. Fishing bobbers. Huh. Wow. I don't remember those. I, I mean, there's so, a nice question mark here, but that's what we had from him, because it took us forever to even finalize that. Because all of this stuff is lent. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and so, so for every is, artifact, this was a thirty. This was a forty-three lender, different lenders. Yeah. And, and, and every huge undertaking. Sure. Right. Right. And, and the logistics of get, of getting everyone to sign off mm -hmm. and, and you know conditions mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Harrison was the top hat. 
McKinley, we had a ice skate. A ice skate. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Never mastered the uh, left they, foot. They lost. They lost the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Teddy was his saddle. Taft. Um, I think Taft was his. Um, they were legal. There were papers with a whole bunch of legal crap written on them. He was some sort of teacher, and they were like legal quizzes, tests huh. type things that he had written. Yeah, paper-based stuff. Yeah, paper. That, that paper stuff. <laughs> Which excites the archivist and makes the curators go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, oh no, it was... Wilson's was the picnic basket. Ah. And Harding was the golf clubs. But they were in the same case. They were the same case. I remember seeing yeah. them together thinking that they were both Harding. Okay. I don't know. Coolidge. It says jewelry, but that doesn't sound right to me. I don't remember what we got for Coolidge. And of course, Hoover, we showed the color films. Mm -hmm. um, Roosevelt doesn't have anything either. What did we get for him? No, Coolidge, we had the um, fly rod, fly case, and flies. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Roosevelt, I don't remember what we did for Roosevelt. I'm horrible. Truman was his Key West shirt. I can't remember Roosevelt saved my life. Sorry. Right. Eisenhower was a painting that he had done. Kennedy was the PT boat model of the boat that he was on during World War II that was sunk, and he lived. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then LBJ was a telephone. It's a huge honking phone that was at his desk in the White House, I guess. Uh, Nixon, we had his glasses. And the unique thing about Nixon's glasses were, if you looked closely enough, you could see where he chewed on them. Oh. Oh, what, the, like the, like the yeah, yeah. Oh. Apparently, he didn't like to wear his glasses. Uh, somebody, uh, else was, I, I, somebody else yeah. was in charge of where, of, of keeping them for him, uh -huh. but he Is would it, yeah, take I, them off and chew on them. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Ford's bright blue ski outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. You can Google it. There are a bazillion it's, pictures it's, of him in yeah. this outfit. Back in powder, snow suits. Powder and, blue was was, was yeah. a good color. I will Google that. Gerald Ford. Ski suit. Like it was a, like a onesie, right? I mean, it's like no, it was the snow pants, and then there was a vest oh, the, and a jacket. Okay, okay. We yeah, only put the jacket on, just yeah. like we didn't know how to do it all. Jimmy Carter, uh, he, we had arrowheads that he had collected from his mm -hmm. um, family farm when he was a boy. Ronald Reagan, I don't know what, oh, his working gloves. Oh, yeah, from, gloves. from the ranch. Ah. Yep, and then H.W. Bush was the cowboy boots with golf cleats. Clinton was his running shoes. W. Bush was his signed baseball cards. Um, and then Obama was the chess set. And then for Trump, uh, well, okay, I haven't touched every president's something because this was, we had a foundation member who loaned us the red Make America Great ball cap from his campaign. Because he hadn't been in presidency long enough to have acquired anything that they could right. send That's to right. That's right. Because he was just—he you know. was just coming in. 
So yeah, it was, I mean, it was really cool. It was probably the largest legal Hassle. with all the loans. Oh God, yeah. Trying to get yeah. all, everybody to sign the loans. Coolidge mm -hmm. was the hardest because we couldn't get, not, not Coolidge. Um, yeah. But we had one that we just wouldn't get back to us and then suddenly they're like, hey, we shipped something to you. Oh, oh. okay. Oh, okay. Um, so, it, you know, and then trying to keep track of everything. And of course, when you unbox everything, you have to take pictures of how it was packaged because then when you return it, you have to package it back up that exact same way. My nightmare. So, there's a reason I'm not a curator. <laughs> Every box was every box was labeled. No. Every box was um, even if they were boxes like if if it came UPS on on I think we had five that came UPS. If it came UPS and we couldn't reuse that box, we still packed it in a similar box the exact same way that it came to us. Um, and of course, as everything comes, we have to open it all up and make sure it all condition came reports, condition right? reports. And, and, and everything was okie doke, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because occasionally stuff comes in and it's not broken. Yeah, it's it's no good. So, but yeah, um, so that one, and then last summer was a farming exhibit, which we didn't really have a whole lot of collection or objects for, and all, everything that was in that exhibit was on loan too, um, from the Johnson County Historical Society and. The Heritage Museum over here mm. in town. Uh, yeah, still have questions for you. I'm ready. Oh, All right, this I'm gonna go um, finish my exhibit. <laughs> what is something you feel that Hoover deserves credit for that he rarely gets? Uh, well, that's a good question too. Uh, I try to come up with good. These questions. are good questions. Um, <laughs> For, for, and again, this is the Matt view. I don't think he gets enough credit for the work he did with Truman after World War II. Mm -hmm. I mean, our museum covers that in a really tight little space. Uh, it's just not a very well-known story. You know, here, here's a guy who's a grandfather and who's asked by the president, I need your help. And his answer is, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, basically puts the rest of his life on hold and goes off and, you know, yeah. on, on this wacky journey where he wears everybody out mm -hmm. and you know gives talks and you know meets with world leaders and tries to solve a problem that needed to be solved uh, that that's when I redesigned the museum gallery oh, wait wait they, they won't ask me because I don't have uh, I don't have any of the skill sets and 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 I just tend to say, hey, look, there's this great 18-page memo. Isn't there a way to put that in the museum gallery? And they uh, say, it's paper. It's paper, boring. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that is, like, I find, I do find their friendship really interesting, mm -hmm. especially because, you know, Truman is completely blindsided by, like, Oh yeah, on, yeah. Taking on the presidency—that's ob uh, obvious, and especially like Eleanor's first words to him also kind of like say that. Like she said, he asked her like, "Is there anything I can do?" And he s replies, "Uh, no. What do you need? Because mm. you're gonna need it now." Yeah, yeah. So like that's uh, 
but he's completely willing to learn. It looks like. Oh yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. He he grew into the job, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 he just got better, uh, and and I think strangely enough, as he got better, uh, he got more reviled. You know, the the, the Republicans yeah. just, god damn it, right? We can't have another term of a Democrat, right? Yeah. yeah, did leave office hater, but I feel like history has completely. I think history's you know shifted it, on him. You know, and, and history has a way of kind of evening out mm-hmm. the amplitude. You know, reducing the amplitude of of mm-hmm. you know. But uh, I'm a firm believer that history has to be. You know, you can't study anything until it's 25 years old, because yeah. you don't have sufficient perspective to say what's yeah. important. Or you're in the midst of yeah, it. Yeah, you're, you're just too, you're, you're too caught up in it. Yeah. It'll be very interesting what is said about current presidents. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I won't be alive for it. <laughs> but I, you guys, but, I but, but hope will be. Well, we yes. hope so. <laughs> what are some of your favorite items in the archives? Well, I've brought out uh, Dairy Metallica. That, that, uh-huh. I, I like that because it's such a cool story. Uh, you know, and and that they shared this lifetime achievement gold medal, mm-hmm. and they each had to give a speech, mm-hmm. and they, there were two two separate occasions, and in New York she she gave the speech, and there's a, a little typescript that's mm-hmm. titled uh, impromptu remarks if called upon to speak at the gold medal dinner, oh. which I think is wonderfully funny because it completely blows out of the water what impromptu means. Yeah. It's typed. She has her little edits in it, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a sweet speech where she says, "You know, mm-hmm. I want to thank you. This is this is really a wonderful uh, uh, acknowledgement." But the work was its own reward, and mm-hmm. and now finally, I appreciate the gold medal. That's nice because now at the dinner table, when the boys start giving me grief about how many medals has mom won, I'll have one to say, "Got one." Yeah, nice. You know. Uh, it's very cool. I, I, I like that speech. Um, but I have, you know, different favorite things every week. I mean, this week yeah. it's a, uh, I found a comic book in uh, the papers of Brooke Hickenlooper, an Iowa senator. On, uh, oh. uh, on, on, he, he was on the Foreign Relations Committee and he was a staunch anti-communist. And one of his uh, constituents sent him a comic book uh, that basically said, what happens when the communists take over? And it's this, you know, lurid comic book showing the capital in flames and, you know, basically arguing it could happen here. If, we, if we're not vigilant, the communists will take over and destroy everything we own and hold dear. Mm-hmm. And it's like 20 pages of, you know, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. You can't trust your teachers. They're in the State Department. Mm-hmm. Sounds like what McCarthyism is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, it was right in that era. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, where McCarthyism is hundreds of pages of boring testimony and, you know, a few nice sound bites. This is a comic book that... Yeah. All right. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. A lot of fear-mongering there. Yes. Um. um. So what is some of the rarest, craziest, most interesting archives finds you've found? And again, uh, I, I talked earlier about my large shallow plate memory mm-hmm. is the stuff that I've seen most recently that sticks with mm-hmm. me. Uh, there, there was a really sweet letter. Uh, I was working on condolence letters to, to Hoover after Mrs. Hoover died. There's a sweet letter from Helen Keller. Oh, yeah. Which 
you know, I knew we had a, a Helen Keller letter, a Helen Keller letter in the White, you know, in the presidential papers, because they, uh, they both went to uh, some sort of uh, convention about uh, integrating the blind into oh, yeah. productive society. I didn't know we had this letter in in the condolences. Oh. That's just this is this is cool. Yeah. And 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 Helen Keller's, you know, very thoughtful letter. But I, I feel like she also wrote to um, another president. Oh, she did. Uh, you know, given her prominence. For those wondering about the silence in the flipping papers, that handed me the letter. Wow. And you know. This is what I like about my job, is almost any time I open a box or a folder, I'll find something that makes me go, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that, or that's cool. It was 12 years ago when she... When, when, yeah, they, they met at the White House for... Wow, and that's her signature. That's her signature. Yeah, she she taught herself how to how to how to you know sign. But is like is this like the official document like or this? Wow. This is the yeah. This is the real document wow. that would have come in an envelope to Hoover at uh, the Waldorf Astoria. Wow, that is so cool. Now we can say I've held something that Helen Keller held. You see, and, and, and this is what, the other thing I like about my job is I get to put history things in people's hands that make them go, this is real? Yeah, it is. This is this is the thing itself. I loved Helen Keller's kid. She was so Oh, cool. she, what a story. What a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, every box has a story. Mm -hmm. Every folder has a story. If, if, if you're attuned to it, if you have a, a sense, if you have a sense or a love for history, Oh, you know, yeah. every, every time you open a box, you'll go, well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. I did, I did, you know, and, and, and it takes that, that simple history, that you know, that little thumbnail sketch mm -hmm. that we had of Hoover, the president who screwed up during the Depression, and blows it up and mm -hmm. expands it. And you see him as, as a more human man mm -hmm. with a fuller life, yeah. with, a, with a wider range mm -hmm. than just the grumpy, you know. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the guy you see in newsreels. Right. What I like about, like, why I do this podcast, I obviously love history, I love... That's um, pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is my first presidential co person I've done, uh -huh. and I've also um, never done an in-person because I never don't love close enough to anyone. <laughs> so I've always done in on the phone, and it's never... This is has great ebb and flow, so hopefully mm -hmm. it turns out that way. And, and yeah, yes, yes. Well, and I'm so glad we could do this in person, right? Because it's uh, it's so much easier to see, to see your reaction, mm -hmm. to see, to see you literally lean in. Wow, what's that? Yeah. Or you know, to to have a chance to put a book in front of you. Right. Really hard to do on the phone. Right. To to show you the McCullough book, or or to have you right. say, is that the McCullough? Well, I, you know, I definitely know what the McCullough book yeah, looks you know, like. But, 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 you know, yeah, but, but you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that's the kind of thing uh -huh. that, and, and, you know, I'm always glad. I can look around the room and I'm seeing like a Theodore Roosevelt thing that I want to check out later. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and for me to be able to do it here where I can grab a box mm -hmm. 
you know, off uh, off, the off the shelf, or you know, I I loaded some stuff on the card here because we you talked a bit about uh, maybe seeing some um, campaign stuff. Oh, I love campaign stuff Uh-oh. so much. Wait, it's <laughs> okay. So I got to tell a story. When I was studying abroad in the UK, I didn't even know I knew anything about like campaigns really. Uh-huh. Um, until I went abroad in the UK, and they they I with all the American studies people. I just sat beside them in class uh-huh. and like was like, these are my friends now. And uh, um, because I, it was just like a general well, English class. So I was sitting there and they invited me to like a pub quiz. And these questions, I didn't even know as an American. I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. But when they got to the round of campaigns, I was like, I knew almost all the answers, and I didn't even know that I, like... Didn't even know that you knew them? <laughs> I didn't even know that oh. I knew them. I was like, oh, like, we like Ike. And, uh-huh. like, just a bunch of, like, campaign buttons and, like, what the, the name of their running mate was. And, like, wow. and I was just like, I don't remember ever learning this in class, but I, like... But there it is. I think it's I just you. researched it or something. I love campaigns, I guess. And so, yeah. So we talked about uh, one of his themes being Master of Emergencies. Oh, there's a pamphlet. I'm just now realizing, oh, wait, this ties into something we talked about earlier. Yeah. Vernon Kellogg, who did the campaign biography of, in 1920, did a little campaign brochure. Herbert Hoover as his friend see him for the 28th. Here's 60 pages on Hoover and Foreign Relations by Frank Kellogg. The guy who was the, the again foreign relations, he would have made an excellent secretary of state. <laughs> no one asked him though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he probably, you know, I feel like he was probably pressured to run for president, but yeah. if somebody would have asked him, I think that would have been a great spot for him. Yeah, and that's like such a huge responsibility, especially going on in the, yes. that time. Yeah. Here's a bunch of political cartoons. Oh, cartoons. Armenian. In foreign language. Because not everybody spoke English in 28. Not every voter spoke English. Whoa. Armenian. Croatian. Czech. That's not a surprise given Czech villages close by. But this would have been the national campaign literature. So, you know, uh, the, the, there's, you know, is likely German and French and Polish and, you know, this this would have been basically presenting Hoover. Dutch, I've finished, that's my ancestry. Oh, yeah? Yeah. French, German, also my ancestry, Hungarian, Italian. In Yiddish, oh my gosh! Yeah, anyhow, uh, uh, that's awesome. For people that enjoy like kind of like the last words of people, Hoover, do we know his last words or do we just have his last written words? Uh, we do not know his last words, and um, 
Boy, I don't even know what his last written words are to tell you. It was a letter to Truman about uh, saying he hoped he healed fast from his fall in the The fall in the bathtub. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, that would not. That that rings true. That rings true to me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm sure he said something after that, like to to a housekeeper, like, "God, my stomach hurts," or something like that. But that is not documented. Right, 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 right. Oh, I have such a pain in the side. I find it weird that some people, some, some, like way back there, like that they document the housekeeper, and you always wonder, like, okay, were their last words really like, no. I love you, my children, no, right? No, like, no, yeah, no, no. It's, I, so I, it's, it's just, it's like, what words do I want to put into the mouth of this great dying man? Uh, like, um, my favorite dying breath story is literally a dying breath. Um, Henry Ford was a big fan of Edison, uh-huh. and uh, he had somebody on Edison's staff as Edison was dying, who uh, his job was to catch Edison's last breath in a test tube. Okay, and if you go to Greenfield Village, there's a test tube labeled on display, Edison's last breath. Okay, believe what you wanna believe. Right, you know. Because that's so important too, I mean, his last breath is, is like, I am sure that some of the, like, I love, like, blah, 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 is accurate. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, yes. But not everyone. No, that no, is no, 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 so manufactured. Yes, And, yes. like, I, I more believe, like, the last one, like, that they said to this person, like, last thing anyone remembers is, yeah, yeah. is this. Yes. Like, I mean, even with, like, uh, with Bush, um... Do we have his? Do we have his last words? Do, well, do we have a story about? I, yeah, I, I there is. Start, I there is know. a story because I was looking up this morning. Uh-huh. Um, uh, um, George uh, W. Bush said that he, he like was told that his dad was gonna die within like a couple of minutes, and he called him and he said like, "I love you. You are a great father." And he told him, "I love you too," and that was it. Okay, not a bad way to go. Right, but well, I mean, you know, who whether, knows if he well, said well, something it, to like a nurse at or, home? Or, 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 right. Yeah, but but again, that that, right. that but sweet, that last, sweet last words to him. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I believe mm-hmm. I believe that. Like, yeah, yeah. but some of the like everybody was gathered around and like. Right. Well, and what was it that uh, when Adams died? Oh yeah, Adam Adam Jefferson, says Jefferson. Jefferson lives. lives. Yeah, and it's like okay. Yeah, it's in the realm of the possible. He might have. He might have thought to say that, but I but, think, but 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 it's, it's, that's so mythic. That's I think so. He said it on the day, but I don't know if that was yeah, the yeah, last yeah, thing yeah. Mm-hmm. he said. Yes, mm-hmm. I feel. I believe he probably said something to the effect, that effect yeah, on that day, yeah, yeah. but no. Yeah. That's like mm. so. I think Fun. that's. Pretty much it. Was there anything I missed? No, no. I I feel like we covered everything and then some, and I had so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, Matt Schaefer, and everyone at the Herbert Hoover Presidential Library and Museum. I hope you are well, and listening to this again has made me really want to visit you lovely folks at the museum again. In fact, I really do want to dig into some of the archives on Rose Wilder Lane journalist and daughter of Laura Ingalls Wilder at the museum, but 
maybe we'll leave that for another episode. Thank you all for listening. Hello! Please leave a review, a rating, a message, just whatever you can on whatever app you're using to listen to this. It really helps. I know from personal experience. And I really thank you for listening. I may not have a large audience because, well, loving the classics is kind of a niche thing. But I don't want these classics to die out. And that is why I need your help. Please like and share. We're a little late, so good night, folks.